on the podcast, we're going to be talking about how to have a conversation with leaders, how to bring things up to them, and how to go about having an honest conversation even when things are tough. For that and more, stick around. You're listening to the Paul Prosize Podcast. And now Paul Prosize. Oh, the music was going on, sipping on my coffee. That was dumb. Hey, what's up, guys? Um, so today um, we are talking about how to have an honest conversation with leaders. And that can be anybody, really. This, is, this can be, you can see any of these things as a general statement as far as having a conversation with a leader. And I'm talking politicians. I'm talking um, pastors. Um, and so I've had some experiences in my life where um, I've either been a part of leadership or I have been um, under someone's authority, under somebody's leadership and things that I've learned and how we can go about doing things. And then I'm going to give you resources. So stick around at the end. I'm going to give you some resources, some actual um, uh, um, things that um, you can hold and read and learn from. And I think that they're really great um, for you. So stick around to the very end of the podcast, and um, I will give you those resources. Um, so um, I, I, as I've said um, plenty of times um, on this podcast, is um, I've been um, I've been a police officer, I've been a pastor, um, I've worked in uh, social services um, for for homeless, um, and I've and um, so I've been a, in in churches, I've been out of churches, I worked in politics. So I've had a lot of positions where I'm either under somebody's authority or I am um, an authority figure of an organization or a church or something like that. So there's a lot of things that I've learned over the years that can really help us have a better conversation, um, especially when things get um, contentious. Um, And we're seeing a lot of that in politics. We're seeing a lot of that in our churches, especially a lot of it's come to head um, with the COVID-19 crisis and, and how we are going about dealing with things. One of the things that I um, have noticed and seen a lot is that there are a lot of shouting, shouting at people. And this is actually coming from leadership. It's also coming from um, people um, in churches or it's coming, going towards politicians. And it's really, it falls on deaf ears. And so... Um, I think that when we approach a leader and we have a preference that we want to bring to them or, or we have a, an idea that we think that we can be um, better utilized, there's ways in going about approaching that. Now, I've been a part of, um, like I said, of churches where I have done this the complete wrong way. Um, very early on when I was a youth pastor, um, I was a part of the first church that I, I worked at um, that I was actually getting paid on staff and, and doing the youth work. Um, <clears throat> I described that church as being a thriving youth ministry in a dead church. And it's harsh to say that, um, but there was a lot of reasons for that. Um, the leadership was not very good. The pastor was um, inept, um, would walk into a Sunday service and say, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit talk to me and give me the message, meaning that, that he didn't prepare any notes. He didn't prepare a sermon. The The time that I was there, the entire time that I served there, I can guarantee you he only prepped a sermon for a Sunday service maybe two 
or three times. That's insane. In fact, there were several times where he didn't even show up on Sunday morning and left me to have to have my pull my uh, pocket sermon out. And that what that refers to, if you don't know, is it's just a sermon um, that we have prepared in case something happens to the, and a lot of, um, you know, um, pastors that work underneath a senior pastor or a speaking pastor or whatever, um, will have that just in case they need to go up on stage. Cause something, you know, sometimes people get sick last minute, whatever emergencies happen. So you call it a pocket sermon. You have something in, in it. Well, I had to do that like five or six times. And then we had a really weird leadership or elder board. <clears> there <throat> was probably one from the first meeting I had, I met with, of course, the elders and the pastor. And he um, had um, told me, hey, the, the elders are a little bit weird, um, but we have a lot of really active elders. And so when I got there, there was about five active elders. And then about a year and a half into it, there was a major conflict within the church and the pastor was um, being kind of targeted for some things that he had done. Um, and somehow he escaped good at me. It was just a really weird turn of events. Um, but the eldership, all of a sudden there was these elders that had never been to the church that whole time that I was there showed up for this elder meeting. And there was ways that I went about talking and I was young and um, foolish and brash. And I yelled <laughs> I yelled at that elder elder board because um, the lead pastor had stormed out of the meeting because he was upset with the procedures that they were trying to manipulate and do. And um, I felt that it was my duty to support him, even though I wasn't agreeing with him at the time. It was really stupid. stupid. And I yelled at these this group of men, <clears throat> and I said, "You're not a church. You're not an elder. This is not this is not the way you lead things." Now, I was right, technically, but I was wrong in how I went about talking about that with them. I did not provide any solutions. I did not provide any ways of having conversations. And the funny thing is I had actually started doing that. A lot of the older generation in that church, and it kind of a lot of times in a lot of churches, there's this older generation that want the way that they want things to stay or this newer generation of people coming up and saying, Hey, can we change a little bit here and there? And there was this conflict power conflict that was going on. And instead of me just listening to both sides and really trying to come up with a solution, which I kind of was actually before that, but that, that meeting really got the best of me. And I just blurted this out and I, I attacked <laughs> and it was not a good situation. And I learned in that time that, we really do need to, um, when we approach leaders, to have a better mind. Let me give you another example of um, approaching a leader. Um, after Obama had been elected, there was the movement of the Tea Party, right? And so I was involved in that. Um, I was in touch with the organizers at the D Denver Tea Party. And um, I was like, hey, I want to help. How can I help organize and do things? And they said, you know what we really need is we need somebody, because I was blogging at the time and I was doing um, political commentary. And they said, what we really need is somebody on the ground, um, in the crowd, having conversations with people. So that's what I did. I got... Um, into the crowd. I brought my cameras. I had another buddy um, come and film a bunch of the stuff, filmed my progress. And I was taking um, still photography of everything. And it was this raucous event. And um, 
there was this movement, there was a, a bill being passed that we didn't agree with. And so we're yelling at the building, yelling at the politicians in the chamber. Um, we were so loud that they actually did not do what they were supposed They were, they were at the bill. Um, they canceled the bill because, um, it was, it was a wrong bill, but they were like, holy crap, this movement is powerful. And we're not going to, our noise was so loud. Our voice was so, um, powerful that we, um, changed some authority. But what had happened was that there was all of these um, state representatives and senators sitting on this balcony. And um, they came out and they were rooting on the, the crowd. And I um, didn't have any trust. And I still really don't have a lot of trust for um, politicians. And I was like, okay, I'm going to nail every one of these to the wall. I'm going to, I'm going to target them in my blog. I'm going to find out who, what they're about. And then I'm going to show them for the frauds that they are. And so what I did is I prepped for a meeting. I found out that one of the guys up there was running for um, a seat, a seat in uh, as in the state house of representatives um, in Colorado. And so what I did is I found this guy. His name was Chris Holbert, and you can look him up. And I said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna nail you to the wall." And I emailed him and said, "Hey, would you mind meeting with me?" And he met with me, and. I, in my mind, I was pumped up. I was ready to go. I had a list of questions and he was going to answer to them. And why aren't you guys doing this? And what is your, and, um, and what I did is I came in with a preconceived notion and I was ready for a fight. And what had happened was immediately, the funny thing is Chris says, Hey, before we have a conversation, I don't know where you are, who you are. But would you mind if I prayed for our conversation? I was like, oh, oh, completely disarmed me. It completely disarmed me. And then we went into the meeting and then we had these things. And I, I went line by line of the things that I thought we needed to address. And he answered them. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And that was actually really kind of the first moment that I really went into political activism. And I helped his campaign. And, we, you know, I marched and I knocked doors and did all the phone calls and and really helped him in that. And that was kind of the, the, the first big um, thing that I ever did in the political world. But what that taught me was how to approach leaders. And really what the first thing that taught me was that I really should, and what we need to be doing is at least reflect. Now, if you're not a spiritual person, I understand that. And I'm not asking you to be, if you want to have a spiritual conversation, Come and talk to me. You know where I stand. You know that I believe that Jesus Christ is, is Lord and Savior, and that He died was for our sins and was rescued, or you know, res- rescued us from our inability to rescue ourselves. And I, I believe that that the God, there's, there's three in one: God, Father, Holy Spirit. That's my beliefs. That's where I'm at. But if you are not that, if you don't believe in God, okay. Here's the principle that we need to have, though, and I'm calling it prayer, but if you are not a spiritual person, then just reflect on these things before you go into a meeting. Have a moment to reflect on what you're doing, and I'm saying prayer because um, you really need to have a heart um, going into it, and we tend to um, relax a little bit and not be have our dander up. We, we don't have these um, fight mentality before we go into a meeting to have a conversation with a leader, with a pastor, with a politician, with whatever. So just take a moment before you send out even a tweet, before you just take a moment and say, is this beneficial? Everything's permissible, but not everything's beneficial. Um, Understand um, that leaders get a lot of feedback and criticism. 
Um, so if you're approaching a pastor, if you're approaching a leader, know that they've probably heard your exact complaint, and they probably heard it 30 or 40 times. So just know that they they might have their guard up and just completely disregard you if you're just regurgitating the same thing that has been said to them many, many times. I understand um, that the negative um, issue is probably magnified in their minds or that is being magnified in your mind. And it may not be as bad as possible or as you're thinking. And so just know that when we get mad, we have thought about it. We've probably thought about it for weeks or months and it's festered and it's become this really big thing. And in your mind, it's this really big problem. And then a lot of times when we come in and have a, a calm conversation with, with people, or if you're a leader and you're, you have been worried about this person confronting you, you know, you've had an issue or you know that there's an issue going on within your congregation or within your platform or whatever, just know that the amp, that that there's already a probably a tension built up. And so we need to allow for active listening and all that, you know, all those things we hear, we've heard them since kindergarten that we need to actively listen. We really do need to do that because those things have been blown up in our minds and we need to understand that. And that we also need to understand that we are human on all sides and that they are not perfect. Pastors are not perfect. Politicians obviously are not perfect. And the people sitting across the table from you as leader, from leaders or whatever, we're all humans. We all make mistakes. We all need grace and humility. We need understanding and forgiveness. So if we do that, if we have this mentality, then we can go into and have conversations with very powerful people and have a really, be- a really good understanding, have a much better mindset. Make sure that you're what you're talking about, like I just said, that everything's permissible, but not everything's beneficial. Really make sure what that means really is that, yeah, you can have these conversations, but is it really beneficial? Now, I'm going to be really personal with you for a second. Um, we were a part of a church that um, the leader um, had taken over um, the ministry, and there was a lot of things at the very beginning as I was um, I was overly supportive, even if I didn't agree with it. I just I'm constantly emailed and said, "Hey, you're doing a great job. I'm praying for you. Do do the do good thing. Do good things." All and when I knew um, through just observation and discernment, um, I knew that there was problems. I knew that there was a lot of problems going on within the within the organization, um, and that we had my phone, whatever. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. All right, so there was all these problems festering, and I'm continually see, saying, "Hey, good job. Deal with these things. We can, we can, we can pray for you. We can go through these. We can power through these things." But I knew that there was some integrity issues going on. Like there was obvious. There was just a lot of things. There was too many people saying certain stuff, and you're just like, okay. And so um, instead of um, being yet another voice, I actually started being quiet. <laughs> um, and I had never really done that. I've always kind of confronted. I, I don't mind having a confrontation and having a tough conversation if we need to. 
Um, but what I really started to do in this, because I realized that adding to a voice, adding to the, the noise was not going to be beneficial. In fact, it probably was, would have done more harm than good. So I backed off and it turns out that person ended up having, um, way, way bigger issues than I could ever have dealt with. In fact, the, the leaders of that organization ended up covering it up and um, pushing it under the rug. And we ended up just being quiet through the whole thing and just quietly exited and left because it was not beneficial to continuously add to the voices. Sure. We could have spoke our mind. We could have said our piece, but it wouldn't have mattered because when you looked around, the leaders were all circling the wagons around this bad behavior. And so we just said, you know what? We're not going to be a part of that. We're going to move on and just leave this behind. And that became, even though it, it was permissible to go ahead and talk and we can even find, I could have supported myself in scripture and going and confronting the issues. But sometimes it really is just better to not even maintain the peace, but um, because it wasn't peaceful in our process, it was not, it was very frustrating, hurtful. But what we did was just decide that we weren't going to fight the fight that we didn't need to fight or cause more issues or bring tension to our family and to whatever the whole situation. And we just moved on. It was not beneficial to do anything. So consider if it is beneficial to even have the conversation with the leader. It may not be, but it might be. It really might be. It might be something that you need to have a conversation with. And you may have to bring in other leaders or bring in other elders or bring in whatever. You might have to do that. Um, but in that particular situation, it was not good for us. Um, one of the, so I'm getting a lot of, um, I'm, I've kind of piecemealed this today, um, from some talks from Ed Stelser and some other, other things. So I'm not doing this all on my own. This is not all my wisdom is, but it is a lot of observations from, from me. Um, but just know that I am borrowing ideas, um, from great leaders and leadership leaders, teaching leaders, teaching leaders, kind of a mentality. Um, I've read a lot of books and I've read things and um, I, I even in prep for today, I even asked my pastor for some resources and said, hey, I'm going to talk about this on a podcast. And I think it's important that we have supportive people out there saying how to have a conversation with a pastor, how to have a conversation with a leader. Because um, even though we have a lot of that stuff out there, it's hard um, to... <laughs> to to sit down and read a book and not have somebody to have have a conversation. That's what I'm really hoping to do with this podcast, this this video. If you're watching me on YouTube, please go to my video. Um, and by the way, you can find any of this stuff on my website, paulprocess.com or Twitter or anything like that. But no, when you go into a conversation, you say, I love you, pastor. I love you, leader. I'm really a big supporter of you, X, Y, and Z politician, but, and you have that, but that, but immediately puts up walls and defenses and, um, that preferatory phrase will typically be perceived as insincere. So, Hey, I love you, but so you're kind of like, do you really love me? But <laughs> I mean, we don't win very many arguments. And I know this because if I've ever said something like that 
to my wife or whatever, it doesn't, the argument or the conversation does not go in a direction that it needs to go. Um, and then one of the other things to be aware of is uh, when you co- have a conversation, say, well, people are saying X, Y, and Z. People are gossiping X, Y, and Z. People are, <laughs> come come as you. Don't come as people. Don't be the the leader of the, and I've done this, I've made this mistake with other just jobs and things and when people are complaining and there is a group. And I, I've been the one that's been able to be bold and say, hey, I, I, I have heard all these people say this thing. And instead of me just coming and saying, hey, I have an issue with, let those other people have their own voice and you be your own voice. You be your own advocate. And if you need to bring other people that have these things, that's a better way of, of approaching it, even though it might feel like they're being attacked. If you bring in multiple people into the conversation and have a, having a confrontational meeting, it doesn't need to be that way, but it can present that way. But make your voice be your voice, not I, I've heard a lot of people say. It doesn't win arguments. It actually um, is a, another insincere thing. Uh, make, make clear... Um, you want to hear your pastor's perspective. Make sure that you are doing that active listening. Make sure that you are listening with the ability to maybe even change your mind or change your perspective. We all have perspectives in church, right? Or in politics. We have our preferences. We have things that we know to be true or the way that we want it to do things. The the best way we can describe these, of course, there's preferences in politics, and I won't go down that road today. We've we've talked about politics. Let's talk about church for a second. We all have our preferences, and you can see a lot of church fights throughout the many years. In fact, one of the churches that I was at when I did the research, um, I looked into their history. They actually split. They were that church that everybody's heard of, but nobody knew what church was it, what it was. They split in the 50s or 60s over the carpet color. They were that church. that I found it. I, I was a part of Like, I worked at that church. They split over the carpet color. It was stupid. I, I, if I had known that going into that church, I probably wouldn't have accepted it because I, you could have seen years, a pattern of history of years and years of just bad fights, bad things. They weren't listening. They had these, their preferences, and they were going to stand on it. Excuse me, I'm dry, so I'm drinking some coffee. All right, so we have our preferences, and um, we can see that play out, especially when it comes to like worship preferences, right? So I know I get it if you're not uh, in, in churches and don't understand the whole <laughs> worship culture within a church, um, but you can you can really see that uh, like if you just think of politics. I have a preference for doing um, walking and knocking on doors or doing things online. <laughs> um, can maybe make a simile for that, uh, uh, a parallel for that. But um, really in church culture, we have our preferences. And so often the biggest church fights are around worship. It's a weird thing. I've been a lot of a part of a lot of worship ministries. I've led worship many, many years. I've done all that stuff. And this is the area that so many people will come up and say, I love you, Paul, but 
I love you, but this. I really wish you would not put fog. I really wish there wouldn't be lights that swirl around. I really wish, I really, I would prefer if we did X, Y, and Z. Oh, man, I'm really dry. Sorry, guys. All right, so we come with preferences. I prefer whatever. Now, when it comes to worship, I, I'm more of I whatever, as long as it's quality. If you're doing your best to present it well, I'm probably okay with it. I grew up in the the hymn era. Uh, you know, I have my feet kind of in, in both the, the modern worship and, and the old style worship, so I, I, I don't really necessarily care one way or the other as long as it's authentic worship. Um but I understand where churches go and in, in their preferences. The problem is when we're not willing to give up our preferences in pursuit of a better cause. And it, that's, that's where we get into the really big fights and we don't have really good conversations with our leaders or the leaders don't have a good conversation with their, their people because I prefer X, Y, and Z. There's a good, when um, I was a youth pastor. We came in. I had the ability to lead worship, and I was going to lead worship. And that's what I was told in the interview process. And we were going, we had a plan to incrementally introduce more than just a piano. Because <laughs> that's all they had. And that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. And so we had people come in and play piano, and we were going to just introduce a guitar softly, occasionally. And then all of a sudden, I walk in one day, and my, cause I, I'm a drummer. And so I had my drums with me, but all of a sudden I walk in on a Sunday morning, on a Sunday morning, no practices, nothing. And my drums were up on the stage. They had removed the choir stands and my drums were just up there. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> and even though my preference would be to have more of a modern worship, we had a plan and it instantly set off all of the older generations. And so what had happened is, frankly, that pastor had been tired of the arguments, had been tired of, I don't want to move in this direction. He just did it. Both sides of that argument were wrong because they weren't willing to understand that the newer generation of people unchurched might be more prone to listen and be attentive to church and hear what we had to say about Jesus if we had a more of a modern feel in the church service. And if we had presented it as that and had those conversations as that, instead of just being a bull in a china shop and tearing down choir benches that were seen as the next to, I mean, basically those, those benches were the throne on the left hand of Jesus. That's how powerful that, that move was. I mean, in these, these people that had been there for their entire lives, they'd never been to any other church. They'd grown up in that city. They'd only been to that church. And those pews that they paid for, their grandparents paid for, were moved overnight. <laughs> it was such a bad, bad, bad move. And it just set people off. And that was like within my fourth or fifth week of being there. And so... I was, of course, blamed for that because I'm the one that's up there leading, but I had nothing to do with it. But what needed to happen was the pastor needed to have his preferences be heard, and the older generation needed to have their preferences be heard, and we needed to come to some mutual understanding of what our purpose was, where we were going, and we needed to be more constructive 
and have better solutions. So we need to have better solutions. If you're coming to an argument, you need to have a solution in mind. Constructive criticism, all that, whatever you want to name it, have something in place that you can actually say, this is how we get there. This is really where I want to be. And these are ideas on how we can get there. And the reason that I want to get this, the why of why I'm trying to get there is because we love Jesus, is because we have this political party that we want to advance, because we have this agenda, because whatever, whatever movement, I'm pro-life, I'm pro-gun, I'm pro-whatever. I have these things that I want to have accomplished. These are my, these are, might be preferences, but I have an end game in mind, and this is how I'm going to do it, Mr. Leader or Mr. Person that's following me. Those are better. Imagine if we had those kind of conversations. And there's so many conversations I wish I could pull back and redo and just lead better or be a better follower. There's so many times that I wish I could have done things so much better. But I believe that we can, if we, in this audience, start doing these things very simply we can have better conversations. We can have a better church. And our preferences might even get to where they want them to be. Or we can take an example. There was an elder, a founder of one of the churches that I was a part of for many, many years. And he was sitting there in the back of the church. Now, his preference was piano and organ, of course, the old style. But the new style, and this was back in the 90s, 80s and 90s, I believe. And he was sitting back there and one and just sitting back there quietly, eyes closed. And it was well known that he didn't like that style of worship, but he was there every single Sunday sitting in the back. And somebody, this is um, the story that was told to me, walks up to him and says, hey, how do you do this? Every, How do you sit in here and listen to this stuff? He goes, I don't necessarily like it, but look at those young people. Look how passionate they are. Look at their hands being raised. Look at that. And they're worshiping Jesus. They're worshiping my Savior. They're doing what he set out to do to help found that church, to plant that church, and to move it, even though his preference wasn't this. He was able to get past his preferences and say, but it's for the better good. And if we can just have that idea, is there might be preferences in how we go about doing things. But if we can surrender to those and say, I'm going to listen to you and I have some solutions and maybe we can come to some agreement on how to get to the end game that we all agree on that we need to do. Whatever your thing is. So I told you there was going to be some resources and let me let me get that for you here. Um, so, all right. So first of all, go, go, go to my website, paulprosize.com. Find me on Facebook. We're doing some great things there. I just released a video, um, by the way. In fact, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna pin that to the top. <clears throat> Not that one. Whoops. Um, but I just released this video here. Um, I would love for you to um, watch that and let me know. Share it, like it, love it. Pass it on to everybody. It's another another one. So how did we get there? This one's called Go. I would love for you to see that and and go. Go see that. But here's the here's the resources. I told you Ed Stelzer um, was one of the things that I I, I read. Um, one of his websites or and talks really helped me influence um, today's talk. Um, but Tom Rainer, um, 
has a book called I Am a Church Member, Discovering the Attitude that Makes the Difference. This one will really help you. I'm going to have a link in the description below for all of these, and they're all affiliate links through Amazon. So if you buy a book, I do receive some compensation for that. Um, it's a great way to help me out. Here's, a, here's Ed Stelzer book, or Stetzer book. Um, Christians in the Age of Outrage, How to Bring Our Best When the World is at Its Worst. Now, aren't we facing that so much with COVID stuff and just, I mean, it's very timely, this book. And, but we're just seeing so much outrage on Twitter and Facebook, and we're not doing things as good as we possibly can. And I think that this book can certainly help you with that. And then the last one that we have here um, is Know What You're For. So often we know what we're against. We know that we are, that we hate. And aren't we oftentimes known more for what we hate than what we're actually for? We post the things on social media that we are against, but how often are we saying, but I love you, I, I appreciate you, here's, here's something to support you. We don't do that very often, but if you are more known for, known for what you're for, the church that we go to it has a whole thing called For Aurora. We want to be for Aurora. We want to be for the community around us, and that this, this book definitely helped shape that idea. Big, I would encourage you to get this book. This book will allow you to help move your preferences to reality. But those preferences might be adopted. You might be, have to adopt somebody else's preferences because you need to be for something. Even though you prefer not to do certain things, you may need to do some certain things because you're surrendering for the, for the advancement of whatever. It is a great book. It does not necessarily need, need to be a, a a Christian thing. This is a great thing, frankly, for um, politicians to read as well. Or if you're involved in politics, read, get this book. Be more for what you're for than what you're against. The negativity sells for sure, believe me. I would be advancing this channel so much faster if I simply focused on the negative. But I believe that there's a better way to do things. And I believe that we can... Um, have better conversations before something. You guys, find me on that Paul Procise at Paul Procise on Twitter. You can find me on Locals. You can find me on all of these places. Find me, follow me, share the posts. Thank you so much for listening. You guys have a great day. <laughs>